0: To kind of educate our membership too of kind of the who's who out there and and then a lot of us start to follow those people and you know start to look at what else are they doing and gee maybe i need another one
1: Hello, print friends, and welcome. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf, and I release weekly episodes with people around the world who share our love of printmaking. If you like what we do, please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you don't like what we do, don't worry about doing that. We're cool. Thanks. Or just tell a fellow print friend about the podcast and they can enjoy it too. We also have a Patreon page where supporters can join its tiers that start at just a dollar a month, and that really helps us to keep bringing you printmaking content every week. You can also get thank yous like exclusive merch, as well as access to our bonus content Shop Talk with our editor, Timothy Pauschak. These are quick and dirty tips and tricks with our guests about materials, processes, business advice, and general studio nonsense. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, you can check out the link in the show notes and sign up to hear Tim's chat with today's guest. If you want to save a little cash and still support the show, we also have yearly subscriptions that'll save you 15% off that tier price. Printmaking forever, shun the non-believers. Hello Print Friend is brought to you by Speedball Art Products, who've been offering a diverse range of high quality products to your practice since 1997 products like Arnheim 1618, a high-quality, low-cost paper made in collaboration with a historic paper mill near the city of Arnheim. Our editor, Timothy Pauschak, swears by it for printing lithographs, and our friend and guest of episode number four, Miles Calvert, evangelizes its use yearly, encouraging his students to participate in Speedball's New Impressions contest, where they produce work in every print medium. So if you're looking for an affordable paper that can support whatever inky idea you can throw at it, then head on over to speedballart.com to find out where you can pick up the start of your next edition. Print friends, I have some great news for you. The West Virginia University School of Art and Design's printmaking program is looking for motivated and ambitious artists who want to be a part of their active print community. And between now and the 15th of January, they're waiving application fees for their MFA and MA programs. You might recognize the name West Virginia University from my chats with Bryn Parrott, Olivia Richardson of the Radical Intersectional Printmakers Guild, Stephanie Alanese, and Martin Mazora, all who studied in the printmaking program there. You can apply for free using the code GRWVU25. Assistantships and waiver hours are also available to incoming students. You can learn more at artanddesign.wvu.edu or check out their printmaking professor, Joseph Lupo, on Instagram at lupo underscore joseph. If you didn't get your pen and paper or your notes app open in time, do not worry. All of these details are in the show notes. My guest this week is Catherine baca bellinas president of the Print Club of Rochester, which has been running continuously for the past 90 years. Nine zero. We'll talk about what print clubs are and how they support artists and collectors alike, the benefits of membership, and the club's wonderful history of commissioning work from printmaking greats past and current. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to join the club with Katherine Baca-Belinas. Hi, Katherine. How's it going? Hi, Miranda. It's going great. Hi. How good. How are you doing over there? We're pretty good. We're pretty good. You know, we're in week two of a month-long lockdown, but, you know, that's nothing new to the world you can't really uh claim it's my own you know personal burden to bear we've all been through it all been doing it so just um feeling really grateful that i get to spend my time locked at home talking to great print folks like yourself out there in the world so it's it's not a bad way to
0: spend it if you got to sit at home sounds like a wonderful way to spend it i i know when we were in lockdown i got into the studio and it was fantastic
1: yeah yeah, I think us uh, maker types actually are, are pretty lucky when it comes to that. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah, it was it was nice to be in lockdown and just not have any of those extracurricular things that you had to even take care of, and just could really concentrate on on what you were doing Absolutely. in the studio. So that's yeah, great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're here to chat today about the wonderful. Print Club of Rochester and its history, which I'm really excited about because as an admirer of prints myself, I love the idea of print clubs and their sort of history that runs parallel to the history of printmaking in the 20th century and the way it supports artists as admirers and collectors. But before we get into all that good stuff, would you please introduce yourself and let people know who you are where you are and what you do. Okay, well,
0: my name is Catherine Bacabalinas, and I am the current president of the Print Club of Rochester. And um, we're lo- located, obviously, in Rochester, New York. <laughs> and uh, some of our members are kind of all over the place, actually, which is really quite nice. So um, I came to printmaking um, in a sort of a roundabout way, actually. I studied it a little bit in undergrad in uh, California, Cal State Long Beach, and uh, absolutely fell in love with stone lithography. But uh, somehow... Made my way to Rochester, New York, of all places, (laughs) from from California, with with a minor stop in New Mexico, actually. Okay. Um, I I had the intent to go to Tamarin, but, eh, you know, life kind of gets in the way sometimes, and I just didn't quite make it there. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. um, had some friends out here in Rochester, they absolutely loved it, and said, you know, come join us, so I did, and uh, ended up going to um, graduate school for um, art ed, So I was a longtime art teacher in the Rochester area. And uh, when I retired, I knew I wanted to get back into my art. Um, And I was very, very fortunate to take a one-day workshop up at Rochester Institute of Technology. And they run a non-toxic printmaking lab up there. Mm. So mm-hmm. this this one day workshop was all about uh, the new technology of using imageon, which is a, a photosensitive film, and I fell in love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was back in my element. I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and uh, actually started to take a couple of classes that were at night. And one of the uh, the instructor that I had was amazing. She was an incredible printmaker. Her name is Liz Durand. And she encouraged me to join the Print Club of Rochester, which I had never heard of. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, because, you know, being a, a teacher, a through K-12 teacher, is a very different environment than being a, a working printmaker, professional pr- printmaker or artist. And so, um, so I joined. And, um, again, it was just a, a fabulous experience. The people I met the skill set that they had, the I I just felt like I was amongst my people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, they they totally understood where I was coming from. It wasn't as if I was talking to other artists, but I was talking to just printmakers and learning so much. I learned so much more um, since I've been in print club than I ever did in in undergrad. And uh, just because all of our members do different types of of methods and they approach things differently and it's it's just been a fabulous experience i can't even tell you Mm. (laughs) how much i've loved being in the print club so i um i was asked to join the board right away and i'm one of those that kind of likes to know how things go behind the scenes and so i joined and uh was i've been on the board for about nine years now and I've been the president for this is my third year. Yeah. So very nice. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, very nice. Um, and so I feel like the history of the Print Club of Rochester. You were founded in 1930, and I feel like is this the you're the oldest print club in the states, or second oldest, <laughs> or you gotta it's gotta be up there because that's you're coming up on a hundred years here in the next we're, few years. We're-
0: yeah, you were. Pretty darn close. So we actually last year just celebrated our 90th year. We're not the oldest, but we're apparently one of the oldest continually running clubs in the country, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. which is pretty spectacular given that we're you know, a small little town of Rochester. We're not, you know, San Francisco or LA or New York City, but to have survived all that time is really incredible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so in general, I'd love it if you could just sort of speak to print clubs as a concept and, you know, what they do and the kind of role that they play in artists' lives and get people sort of Excited about them because I feel like they're an aspect of the print world that's very important, you know, very, um, has, has had a way to build community and mutual support and admiration long before Instagram, right? When you, <laughs> yes, <laughs> when yes. you could get some of those affirmations that way. And so what, it, how, you know, how do they work in general and how does the Print Club of Rochester work? And,
0: why should people get excited about them? Well, it's quite easy to get excited about them if you ask me. <laughs> but I am biased; I will admit. Um, you know, our our particular club is a, a little unique in the fact that we are not just printmakers in our club. We also have people who are collectors and people who are just you know print enthusiasts. And um, so it's a really nice combination of people, and so you get information from all sort of aspects of the print world, um, you know, what people who are collectors are looking for, or what they're interested in, um, or what's going on in, um, you know, even just in our own community and the types of work that's being done. Uh, one of the things that we do is we have a members exhibition um, and actually that's about to come up at this weekend and that's going to be our ni- our 90th members exhibition, which is just, I find incredible. Um and, and then we are also unique um, because we, we do demonstrations, we do workshops, we do presentations, we do talks. Um, um, many times it's our members who have this incredible knowledge who share it with us. And I, I just think printmakers in general just kind of love talking yeah. shop. <laughs> you know, we, we love learning new techniques and figuring out how somebody did something. And um, so... Th- our members exhibitions alone give us so much knowledge and you know, people get so excited about it to see what's being done and how, how things are being approached in a new way. Um, even if it's an older method or possibly a new method that no one's ever even heard of. Right. right. Um, and, um, and, then, you know, one of the things that we've started to do, too, is we've now started, well, actually, you're very familiar with it because you helped to jury one of yes. these. Um, about six years ago, we started doing additional exhibitions and we started this international exhibition. Um, we just had our third one, actually, and the infamous uh, Jenny Robinson was our <laughs> was our juror for that one. I, I believe you referred to her as the Grand Dame of of printmaking. Yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we
1: all when we all take off our hats to the infamous yes. Jenny Robinson, absolutely.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but it is spectacular to do because um this time we had over a hundred people who submitted and even though unfortunately all 100 didn't get in we probably have about 45 or so to see what's going on in the print world and to be able to sponsor these exhibitions is just phenomenal Mm -hmm. the the level of expertise for the prints that jenny in particular picked which is astounding. Um, And for our local community and our local printmakers to be able to see that, um, you know, you'd have to travel to New York City to get that same caliber, I think, or, you know, uh, uh, Los Angeles or Chicago. Um, So to have that come here to to Rochester, um, not only for the community, but for our membership to see what's going on and and what people are doing and um, how people are approaching printmaking. So I I really think that printmaking in the last, I don't know, maybe five, ten years has just really changed. Mm. Um, It's it's Mm. no longer where you have, if you are, you know, doing etching, that's all you do. Um, There's, you know, such this beautiful combination of methods that's being put together in in prints nowadays um, that I just find fascinating.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, I've only been in the art scene really for the last 10 years. Um, but I would say even in that time, I the availability of ease to share, different processes, video, how-to things on YouTube, uh, reveals on Instagram, just how all these different ways that printmakers can now document and share what they're doing openly – I feel like it had to have just been this huge explosion in, as you say, mixing techniques, coming up with new techniques, sharing ideas, because this is something that I think printmakers, as you say, love to talk shop. They're always interested in. There's a real sort of technical mindset about printmakers. They want to know the how, right? There's very, you know, people don't tend to look at an oil painting and, you know, they might say, how, but it's it's a different kind of how, you know. It's sort of like how did you paint that so realistic, but not really truly like what acid did you use, and what's right. your plate, and you know what kind of carborundum do you have in your life, and all these different questions right. that can come from printmaking. And yeah. I do think that people sometimes get the impression that printmakers like to like kind of quote unquote guard their secrets, and that. But I, I think that that really had to have been, I think, a bit of an old fashioned idea. And that, yes, maybe, I don't know, in the 16th century or maybe in, you know, the, the very commercial printing houses or something like that, you know, when you're pushing the limit and, and printing for big blue chip pop stars maybe that's the case. But the, the boots on the ground, your, your your printmakers, most of the people who are out there, they are so excited to share knowledge, to receive knowledge, and to really create this collective whole of people doing interesting things in the medium. That's been my experience anyway.
0: And well, it's it's been my experience as well. You know, one of the things that we've done, too, is we've done studio visits. And to go into someone's own personal studio, and quite often they'll have you know some of their prints out, or they'll show a little technique. We're all there with our cameras, going, "Wait a minute, hold that up again. What, yeah, what yeah, brand yeah. is that? <laughs> and how did you use that? And where'd you get that from? <laughs> it's like I've never seen that before. Oh my gosh! Wait a minute, I need to write that down. <laughs> you know, but you're right. I, I think we just. As printmakers, we love technique and we we love that exploration of new techniques and how can we change things and what can we add to to our own personal prints? And so it, it's just that that community that we have in in our particular print club, especially that just opens all these doors and. Um, people are constantly sharing. Like, oh, I tried this and I tried that, and um, it, it's just this wealth of knowledge that has come out um, amongst our members, and it's it's just always such a wonderful way to share. And like you say, to you know, to help each other out, um, we're constantly like, oh, I can come show you this, or yeah. I can you know come on over and I'll I'll help you out with with this part. Um, and uh, just seeing what other people are doing and. You're right. The feedback that you um, get—it's just always been very um, enlightening. And I don't know. I can't find the words that I want to say. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think I think I know. Like the the feeling that you mean is that it's it. For me, it just it lights up some very important parts of my brain, which is the need for community, the need for knowledge, the need for camaraderie. The need mm-hmm. to create, like it all, kind of can come together. I think in situations like this, where you're just like you're just yeah. having a gosh damn great time.
0: It's really what it comes <laughs> yes, down of, to. It's it's inspirational. You you go yeah. home and you're just rejuvenated, and and you're like, oh, okay, I want to try this and I want to try that. My my biggest problem with it is I find I I love everything about printmaking. I really do. My my um, I lean towards. Lithography, um, and I do a little bit of silkscreen, and I do a little bit of um, this non-toxic etching, and I th- kind of throw it all all together. But um, my my problem is that I love what everybody's doing, and it's like, oh, I really want to try that. <laughs> but, but wait a minute, I really should just kind of concentrate on these three things because otherwise, I'm just going to never get anything done.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is that is such a printmaking printmaker's dilemma. Is that when you're in love with the process and the really infinite amount of textures and surfaces and colors and line forms that you can make with printmaking, you could really just chase them all, but truly each medium you could spend a lifetime doing. Just perfecting it. So it's, it's really quite interesting. I think that we have to, you know, you get to sort of maybe live vicariously through other people who have, let's say, dedicated their life to wood engraving. And, and, you know, you're, I, you've, you're in the litho camp. So maybe you won't ever get there, but you can really love and appreciate and see what a wood engraver is doing. Even if you're not going to have enough time in this lifetime to do wood engraving and silkscreen and lithography and everything else, you get to sort of. <laughs>
0: Dip yes, your toe in that. Yeah, I agree. So what one of the things that we do, um, and it coincides with our members show, is we do a print exchange just amongst our members. Mm. And, you know, people will sign up for it. And it's always so much fun to see what people are going to come up with. And so this is a, another great way that you get to collect work um, okay. from your favorite you know, members. <laughs> And, uh, and have a nice collection of, of their work I have one woman that she does these incredible prints and um, and she always participates which I love so so I now have probably about a half dozen of her prints and, and they're fabulous and it's and it's a style I could never even attempt to do you know I could never get to the the caliber of, of how she does her her prints mm-hmm. um, but that that exchange is is just, it's wonderful. It's it's great. Yeah. Um, one of, you know, one of the other things that we do for, for our print club is we have what we call a presentation print. Oh, and this yeah, is, yeah. this is um, a great thing for our collectors as well as our, our printmakers. And so since 1934, we have always commissioned a Dominant printmaker to make an edition of prints for our membership, and um, and membership is really cheap. <laughs> 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 Just a little plug out there. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah,
1: and 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 are available, you know, to people outside of Rochester. Correct. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Correct.
0: Yeah. In the last couple of years, we've truly become a national club. We have we have members throughout the U.S., and so you don't have to live in Rochester to be a, a member. Um, but. So we have them make a special edition of prints specifically for our membership. For so for the the very very low low price of eighty five dollars, um, not only do you get to participate in all the different things that Print Club does, but you get one of these prints. And many of these names you would know, Miranda. I mean, it's yes. it's like we just had Jean Gumper um, yeah. do our print yeah. this year. We have we've had Catherine Polk, we had um, Linda Whitney, we've had Dan Weldon, Karen Kuntz um uh we've got uh, a claire romano in our in our collection We've you know carol wax i mean it's just like who's who of, of printmaking yeah and, uh, you know to be able to to own these pieces that for 85 dollars that would go for you know thousands of dollars in the gallery is is just wonderful so anybody you know wanting to find a way to start start a collection or to add to your collection. This is a fabulous way to do it very inexpensively.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's really wonderful too because you've got the archive on your website and so you can yes. go back into the history there and that's a who's who. You know, like if you want to know who in the 1940s was mm-hmm. a printmaker that I should know about, oh, okay. Alan Lewis, Rockwell Kent, Claire Layton—you yes. know—it's yes. yes. it's so wonderful. And then the prints that are from that time are so beautiful too. So yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, if I had a little time machine, I would have loved to sign <laughs> up for the Pl- Club of La- Rochester in the nineteen. 19- 40s or even just from the beginning, because it's just a really, really beautiful um collection and like the history there is, is amazing. And it's such a wonderful way, I feel like, to support a printmaker, uh, an accomplished printmaker out in the world. And then, of course, to get these works into the hands of the club members for, as you say, far, far less than what a Catherine Polk or a Jeffrey Dell might go for out on the the open market, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But then, but then to, to kind of help educate our, Membership too of kind of the who's who out there and and then a lot of us start to follow those people and you know start to look at what else are they doing and gee maybe I need another one. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like I, I know yeah. I definitely need another Catherine Polk. Oh, <laughs>
1: you know? absolutely, absolutely, you can never have enough Catherine Polk in, yes. in your life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: So and then we've we've even um, we did do a special one a couple of years ago, probably about five years ago with ellen hack just a small little mm. um like uh, i believe we did about 15 she did 15 prints for us um and uh she she threw in one of her um uh 40 Fridas. so i guess it must, oh, it must so be cool. 41 Fridas now um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which i was uh, in love with that series of hers and and uh, i mean we've we've had some of these people come out we've uh, ellen came out Uh, Twice for us, actually, and we've had um, uh, Tom Huck came out, um, Karen Kuntz has come out. So that's another aspect of just being able to meet these people and uh, see what they're doing. And a lot of them have come out to do, you know, demonstrations or to show their work and, you know, have the opportunity to make those connections. Yeah, Uh, um, wonderful.
1: I feel like this might be a question with like an obvious answer, but I'm I'm curious. (laughs) Surely that. The fact that the Print Club of Rochester has been active in Rochester for the last 90 years. <laughs> Does this plant the seed for more print activity in Rochester than one might find in a, another any town America, USA, that would have a similar population, do you think? Like that the community is more engaged, that you might sort of, uh, grow more printmakers in the area then? <laughs>
0: Um, well, we do have a couple of colleges um, in the area that do teach printmaking. Um, unfortunately, I, I think printmaking departments are um, not really on the rise. Um, I, I wish that they that. were. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, a couple of them have, have completely shut down around here. Um, once we get them hooked into the print club, though, I, I think that the word tends to spread. We we uh, actually a couple of us from the board went over and uh, spoke to some of the students at one of the local colleges and brought, of course, some of the archive. And the mm. you know, kids were just wowed by by the the prints, and uh, the professor who was there too was just as wowed. He was just like a giddy little kid. <laughs> and um, I think that, that that helped a lot because we've gotten a, a couple of young members from there. And I think that they're so excited by it that they're starting to get some of their friends into it mm-hmm. that are performers. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm I'm hoping, I mean, I know we try really hard to get different uh, different things happening um, through the print club. Uh, like I said, the, the different... Uh, exhibitions that we've done, the special ones that we've we've tried to come up with. Um, so we're always out there trying to figure out new ways to get the community involved and uh, um, and make them aware of the print club. Um, yeah. Because as I said, I mean, I wasn't even aware of it <laughs> until yeah. about 10 years ago. And uh, so I, I think what we've done, though, probably in the last five or six years has put us a little bit more out there on the map. Mm. And people are starting to kind of see us and know about us. And we've really tried to push it as much as we can um, to get, things written up about us or, um, like I say, have these exhibitions uh, at the colleges, especially, and, um, uh, do other, other special exhibitions. We, we had a series that we did that included, um, Jenny Robinson, actually in one of them. Um, it was called under pressure. And it was a series of three exhibitions that we did with our local Rochester contemporary art center. And, um, each time we had three prominent printmakers come in, and we included one local printmaker um, for these exhibitions. So we had Jenny Robinson, we had April Vollmer, we had Ellen Hack, um, and uh, uh, for one of the other ones, we had Catherine Polk. So I just think that doing those kinds of things and, and trying to kind of think outside the box of what we can do to get a lot of people to come to our exhibitions helps with fostering that that printmaking community in in the Rochester area.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Rochester just sort of in general, you know, I feel like it's a a city that I've heard a lot about before I ever started dating someone from Western New York. You know, it's like before I like it's it's a city that I feel like has a pretty big cultural profile in the sense of that I knew about it as, uh, you know, as, as, as a place in the world, much more so than I ever was aware of other cities and towns of 200,000 people that might be in other places, because I think it does have a history, as you say, it does have colleges there. So I really love parts of America, cities in America, particularly that are a bit on the small side, sort of quote unquote, at the, at the 200,000, but still have a strong sense of community and a strong sense of self, and a Mm -hmm. strong sense of cultural output. And I feel like those are my favorite places to live, truly, (laughs) because they feel small enough that you can start to know the people in that world. And You can have that really strong sense of community, but you also get the benefits of, you know, art exhibitions and maybe a theater and maybe um, times to, you know, reasons to gather people together, you know, with exhibitions and that sort of thing. Is that, would you say that's an accurate reflection of what Rochester is?
0: I actually, I would say that it it does first off have a very strong art community, um, not just of printmakers, but you know of, of all types of artists. And I do believe that the colleges help with that. And I think you're right. I think it's small enough but big enough um, to have things in it that you can really, uh, especially as an artist, really get to know a a good amount of the art community and, uh, just make all those connections. Um, it's, it's really quite easy to do, but it's not so small that it's, that it's stifling in, in any way. Um, that's, I think that's the other thing that I've loved about being in print club is I have met so many printmakers, so many artists and, and other types of artists as well, mm-hmm. um, in this community. Um, Our local museum, which is the Memorial Art Gallery, does every other year what they call a Finger Lakes show, and it's just people from this region in the Finger Lakes area, and again, just to see what's going on and what people are doing, not just in printmaking, but in other art areas. And it's a big show. And, you know, people come from all over to, to come see it. And um, it's, it's just wonderful to see. It's, it's a great little place to make all those connections with people.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I just think that that can be the most rewarding thing when you find that balance, you know, between the sense of community you can get in a city like Rochester, but also that artistic reward of having people come together and, and share ideas yeah. and, and having enough enough pull to get Outside artists in as well to get Catherine Polk to come and, and, (laughs) uh, and have a, have a chat. I just think that's just really wonderful. And I would imagine sort of based on a lot of what you've said that the Print Club of Rochester does is that you've been able to keep up a fair (sighs) amount of that through the last 18 months with COVID, obviously, <laughs> the exhibitions in person, you know, these are the things that, that we've sort of missed out on, but you still are able to, let's say, commission a work, it looks like you'd um, commissioned a mesitant by Linda Whitney in 2020. Mm-hmm. And yep. so I'm just, yeah, wondering how you all have sort of pivoted. I've been asking almost everyone this, particularly on everyone in organizations, art or, or art, art institutes, this because I think we all need to be sharing ideas about how we're sidestepping and ducking and pivoting just to. Really figure out how do we stay connected? How do we try to thrive during a very unusual time in uh, the print club of Rochester? I was going to say, did they not, you didn't, you you just, print club just missed the Spanish flu. So you can't say it's happened. (laughs) It was a little after the Spanish flu. So it's. Unprecedented for the print club, but only by a few years. Yeah,
0: only by a few years. You're right. Um, it was interesting and it was hard for us because last year was our 90th year and we had all kinds of things that yeah. were planned in celebration. And um, it so things got curtailed, there's no doubt about it. But we tried to keep in touch with people. Um, we did have our 90th exhibition, and the gallery that we worked with was fabulous. They did a virtual tour. Um, It was one of these that was kind of interactive, so you could actually click on an image and look at it closer and get the information. Um, We also did sort of a little studio visit with about four of us that were in the show and kind of showed, you know, what we did and talked a little bit about process. Um, and so I, I think it was very interesting to see what people came up with and how innovative everybody became in trying to still feel connected and to also still try to show the work. Um, in in fact, the international show that we just took down was actually supposed to happen last year. <laughs> yeah. So we were fortunate enough that that um, we were able to reschedule it for this year. And because things opened up a little bit for us, we were actually able to have an in-person opening reception. And we actually did a just recently did a, a talk for another art group. And that was in person as well. And our, um opening reception for our member show is going to be in person so you know there there have been some things that we've been able to to come to <laughs> but um we've also been trying to to stay connected virtually too yeah. so in fact this year when we had Gene gumper we we do a I try to do what's called a, a big reveal of whatever our presentation print is just to you know hype it up <laughs> oh yeah you, you
1: got to get the drama in there yeah yeah
0: absolutely <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'm pretty good at that from having taught elementary school. Oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and here's the print. <laughs> so so um, we do this big reveal and, you know, people came and, and it was it was so nice because we hadn't seen anybody in, in, you know, at least a year. And uh, we had all, our masks on and we did it outside and uh, we passed out our, our print. But Jean was fabulous. And she did this virtual talk um, for our membership with mm-hmm. our membership and she did beautiful PowerPoint of showing all the various steps because she did this gorgeous nine color print for us uh, and
1: Jean, that's and, my girl yeah <laughs> I, know,
0: I know and even at the end she's like well you can I put just, do I have enough time to put one more color on? I'm like, (laughs) Oh, go for it. I know exactly how you feel. So, so she did, but she did, you know, a wonderful talk and people could ask questions and, you know, she was just so forthcoming with all her technique and, you know, call me if you need help. And if you've got a question and, um, but you know, it, it just, again, it was It's just such a nice way to meet that artist, to get to know that artist, to learn about their process, and to not have to travel to Colorado to, you know, to do that. I I think that's one of, truly one of the benefits, if you can say, (laughs) of of this whole pandemic, that Mm -hmm. people are finding other ways to make those connections. And I think they're better than what we had before.
1: Absolutely. And I Do you think that that is something that is really significant that's happened in the art world in the last 18 months is some of those barriers have been broken down. Fancy schmancy galleries (laughs) in Chelsea have been doing their artist talks online yes, and putting the Zoom link up. And somebody in a small town in India, if they're up late enough, can mm-hmm. watch that and can access the, can, um, yeah, can access all of these resources that used to be very geographically specific. And I do find a lot of hope in that. And I always love seeing barriers broken down and the democratization of information. I mean, that's, I love printmaking. I love, you know, I love like, <laughs> like, Say it, say it, say it loud and say it far, uh, when it comes to these things. So (laughs) I really do appreciate that happening and considering that it still seems like, uh, As sad as it is to say, you know, we don't really see quite the end of the pandemic as of yet. I hope that it will, that that sharing of information in the digital sphere, the archiving of it, the allowing people to access it and reference it for hopefully years to come. I do hope that that will continue and that it will help people who are located outside of London, New York. L.A., Chicago, Jakarta, you know, outside of these big centers, uh, Mm -hmm. feeling a sense that they can they can learn from these really amazing artists, no matter where they are, as long as they have an Internet connection. Yeah.
0: Well, and I I certainly found that there were a lot more college professors who were doing their demonstrations uh, via uh, YouTube. And so, you know, you can now go on and there's so much more information that wasn't there before because they needed to do this for their students and just even the ways that they were innovative in you know knowing full well that these students don't have a press well okay how do what do you do what do you come up with you know what how do you think outside the box um, it was funny because Jean Gumper, in particular, had a whole setup of what she was doing for her students. And instead of a press, she had them using a caster, a furniture caster, really? to, to roll. Yeah, to roll across instead of you know using the old spoon, um, she had them using a caster to rub the print so just all these new things that have come about and and uh you know because people had to think outside the box and and had to find a way to make those connections with their students so you're right there's so much more information out there and uh in fact so as i mentioned before we do you know demonstrations and workshops and presentations and we typically um the local uh, rochester institute of technology usually lets us use their printmaking lab to do those things. And now we're, you know, we didn't get a chance to do that last year um, and we're all kind of craving that. Um, and I was hopeful that we'd be able to do it come fall, but we're not really sure yet, you know, with, yeah. with things going the way they are. So we're certainly already starting to talk about, okay, if that's not an option, now what do we do? We need to make those connections. We need to, you know, still do these kinds of things that maybe we need to start doing them more of them as virtual. You know, let's do a one-day little virtual workshop. Let's do a one-day little um, studio visit with somebody, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, um,
1: and I, I think that that's significant too. in what you're saying about how it's not just the availability of the information, but it's also the kind of information, right? So it's it's how do you do this if you don't have access to a very lovely, fancy etching <laughs> studio with you know ventilation and drying racks yeah. and you know all those things that that really is a barrier for entry for a lot of people to printmaking. Um, all of these wonderful creative printmaking thinkers out there, because a lot of them, as you say, are they're teachers, they're finding ways to do it for their students. So like, yeah, go find a furniture caster and make your prints. I think that's just wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and hopefully it can really bring more people into the fold, again, who, who you don't um, either don't live in a center where you have a community print shop or can't afford the fees to join a
0: community print shop, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Or even have the space to, to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. nice to find these simpler ways that, that can be successful. So, Yeah. um, yeah, yeah, we, we need to, we need, we need to keep them in the fold. (laughs) <laughs>
1: absolutely absolutely yeah. and i think that yeah you can do it through the workshops and through organizations and then also luckily we've got the young kids out there making you know sexy printmaking tiktok videos that'll hopefully uh pla- <laughs> plant a seed with the kids you know um keeping keeping printmaking flame <laughs> alive which i i love to see yeah. so yeah i'm I wanted to ask you, I'm kind of hoping since uh, you're a printmaker in Rochester, um, and you've been Mm -hmm. there for a while, I'm wondering, did we have a mutual friend in the wonderful Robert Marks? Did you know him? Yes. Yeah. I didn't
0: know him well, but I'm a huge admirer of his work. Um, I I met him just on two occasions, once in his studio back when he actually still had his, his Gorgeous press there. And then a second time when one of our local galleries had a um, solo exhibition of his paintings and prints. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, he's he's widely known around here. And, um, you know, it was incredible to listen to him talk. And he, he spoke of how every day he went to his studio and did some type of work, whether it was, you know, his printmaking early on or his his, uh, you know, painting. And in fact, we even have two of his prints in mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. archive collection, in two mm-hmm. presentation prints for us. And uh, the uh, the second one that he did, it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And uh, I made sure that my husband bought that for me for, for <laughs> a <death> gift <laughs> one year. <laughs> yeah. Because it was a rather expensive one, um, mm-hmm. but it's like, oh, I must have his work. It, it His work is just gorgeous. So, yeah, so he was... Um, I don't know if he was actually, I'm sure he must have been at some point um, a member of, mm-hmm. of Print Club, but certainly he's mm-hmm. well known in the Rochester area for his his work.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was definitely hoping yeah. we'd get a chance to put his name out on the Hello Print Friend airwaves <laughs> and just kind of out in the world um, because he's, for me, one of the most incredible printmakers I've ever known. I showed his work at Davidson Galleries in Seattle, and so I got to work with him through that um, and uh, his, his wife uh, as well and, you know, meet him in person a few times and just, he was just an incredible, gentle, empathetic human spirit and just his prints are, as you say, just amazing. And, you know, he never mm-hmm. at least... From my working with him, you know, he never had that, I guess I don't know if I want to call it the hustle, because it's not like he didn't work, but it's just he was an incredibly hard worker, but he never had the like, look at me, check it out, you know, that kind of um self-promotional yes. attitude, maybe is the best way to put it. He was very humble Ooh. and self-reflective. And so I don't think that his prints have gotten the attention or maybe the place in history that I think that they deserve. Um, and so for, for anyone listening who, who's, who's not familiar with Robert Marx, he was born in 1925 and he passed away last year. And so, um, you know, he's a, a solidly, uh, 20th century, 20, early 21st century printmaker who has just made absolutely amazing Intaglio works, mostly about humans, the human figure, the human experience. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of them deal with issues of loneliness and suffering. Um, you know, he was, he was someone who was born in Germany in 1925 and had to Come to America. Like he's someone who knew yeah. the depths of what humans experience and you see that in his incredible renderings of, of the human figure in these completely creative ways. And I don't know, I guess I can't say enough good things about him. And I was hoping that we would have an excuse to sing his praises a little bit. Uh, so people will know, yes. um, know his work more, I hope.
0: Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. well, I would agree. His, his prints are absolutely beautiful. There's, there's, um, and he was an incredibly humble Person, um, you know, you look at his work, and and even though it does tend to talk about loneliness, there's a calmness in it too. Um, there's the mm. you look at his pieces, and and there's something there that um, I don't know. You you look and and there's a sort of a restfulness. There's um, a peacefulness in in them, as well as you know, maybe talking about the loneliness. And and it's it's funny because in looking at his work. I didn't realize that it was about the loneliness. I didn't know that until I read his artist statement at this exhibition that he had locally. And and I found that so interesting. And and then of course you look at the work again a second time with fresh eyes and you're like, "Okay, I I do see that in there as well, but but there's there's a peacefulness." That I see in his work, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's this contemplation and, and restfulness almost of of uh, the human spirit. Yes.
1: Yeah, he, he reminds me a little bit uh, of another great, late great New England printmaker, um, Leonard Baskin. But he's almost like a, a softer Leonard Baskin, I feel like, or I think Leonard Baskin was particularly known for being a bit prickly. Um, and, and, you know, it's in terms of investigating the human form and really just letting it stand on its own as... Mm-hmm uh as a symbol for our our universal experiences but there's just as you say a a calm a I don't know yeah it's really hard to explain I think that that people should just look up the work and he does beautiful paintings as well um and you know as I think you sort of mentioned towards the end of his career he was doing more painting um and I think that that you know make sense for someone in their 90s, the the kind of uh, immediacy that painting can afford. Yeah. Yes.
0: At 93 years old, I I believe he was 93. um, And he was having a solo exhibition. And about 90% of the work was new work. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, how in the world are you doing that? And and how do I do that? <laughs> you know? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. It's he's a, an absolute inspiration. So Robert yes. Ernst Marx, um, I highly recommend uh all the kids out there, take a look at it uh, because he's someone who I'd I'd love to see get a bit more recognition because he he certainly certainly deserves it.
0: Yeah, Abs- yeah. And as I said, there were two of his prints are in our collection. So all you have to do is go to our website to to see his work.
1: Absolutely. And and I, and you do for the prints that people can purchase. There's a member price and a non member price. Correct.
0: <laughs> correct. Correct. So that's the other thing that's fantastic too. So. Uh, If you just join now and there's a print that we still have available from a past um, archive print or presentation print, um, you as a member get 50% off of the retail price. So it's, uh, again, another way to uh, add to your collection. I've kind of done a lot of that since, (laughs) since I joined. I have a whole list of, you know, okay, now I want this one and now I want that one. And, um, because they were, I mean, these beautiful prints that were before my time in the print club, but I still would love to have them. So, um, yeah, 50, 50 percent off retail, which is pretty significant on some of these pieces.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And um, definitely worth the price of admission for sure. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> not only do you yeah. get yeah the fifty percent off, but you also get the um all the other benefits that we talked about. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So,
1: in the time that we have left, have we missed anything? I feel like we've 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 done a wonderful job talking about <laughs> all the great things that the Print Club does and its history, and hopefully gotten people really excited about it and excited about this idea of the community that people can build around printmaking. Anything else that you want to make sure people know about before we have to sign
0: off? Well. There is one thing that we actually started this year for the first time, and we decided we really wanted to do something positive mm-hmm. in the community, in, in addition to all the other things that we do. Uh, but um, we wanted to sponsor a BIPOC printmaker mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. the opportunity to work at one of our local um, co ops, that's called Flower City. Um, art center and so we had people submit they had to have had at least a couple of classes of printmaking and but it, it didn't necessarily have to be someone new to printmaking it just was someone that maybe needed some studio space and studio time so we um, asked our membership actually we did a fundraiser and we got a great response from our from our membership and we raised enough money to be able to do this for a couple of years um, so we had You had to apply, and we have our very first, what we're referring to as our BIPOC artist, printmaker, who um, will be having four months of unlimited, 24-7 time at this studio space in Rochester, and will be able to you know, continue their work, and and, uh, and we're we're hoping that they will show and share with us of what they've created during that time.
1: Excellent. Excellent. And so where can people find more about that initiative? That be on the website? website or
0: if they, someone so,
1: yes. has their ears perked a- up and want to maybe apply <laughs> for the next time is it website best yeah. place
0: yeah, website is where we will have the information and um, we're hoping that we can do this every year mm-hmm. and it does need to be though someone from the local area um, mm-hmm. because at the moment we're not really able to um, uh, support them as far as having a place to stay out here. Yeah. But but at least, you know, four months of, of unlimited time at a, at a printmaking studio is pretty incredible if you ask me and, and it's great especially for, you know, students who are just getting out of college and suddenly realizing they don't have yeah. any place to print
1: <laughs> yes know? that is that is a perpetual <laughs> issue for sure so yeah Well, beautiful. Excellent. Well, where can people find the Print Club, uh, get involved, see the archive, look at Robert Marx's beautiful etchings? Where can they do all this? Yeah.
0: So, we are all over the place. We, of course, have a website, and it's at printclubofrochester.org. We are also on Twitter, um, and that's at printclubrock, R-O-C. We're on Instagram, at at printclubofrochester, and we're on Facebook, again, Print Club of Rochester. Um, Just keep putting that name out there.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. It was wonderful to chat, to learn more about the Print Club of Rochester, to hopefully spread the good word and inspire people. And um, thank you for all the work that you do, supporting artists and getting the the good word of print out
0: there. Well, we try our best, absolutely. We've got a very hard-working... Um, a board of directors right now and, and uh, as we ha- have always had actually and, and so we're just really trying to put it out there as much as possible and get, get the word out about printmaking and get the word out about our particular club and all that we do.
1: Wonderful, wonderful well thank you again and I look forward to sharing the story and sharing our chat it'll be really fun <laughs> Alright, sounds great, it's wonderful to talk with you as well Miranda Well, that's our show for this week Join me again next week when my guest will be Anne Coffin, founder of the International Print Center of New York. We'll talk about coming to printmaking through collecting, the effects of the September 11th attacks on the art scene of New York and beyond, the democratization of print, the foundations of starting a solid not-for-profit, and looking back over its 20-year history of print advocacy. You won't want to miss it. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf with editing by Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week.